Benifer is back. Brad and Jen are friends again. And Paris Hilton is somehow still making headlines. 20 years later, we're living in the world that the 2000s tabloids created. On this series, I'm going to tell you the story of a decade of American life through the trash we love to consume. From Spotify and the Ringer Podcast Network, I'm Claire Malone, and this is Just Like Us, the tabloids that changed America. Listen on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of The Town is brought to you by FX's Feud, Capote versus the Swans. The second installment in Ryan Murphy's Feud anthology tells the story of acclaimed writer Truman Capote, once a confidant to society's most elite women, whom he nicknamed the Swans. Starring Naomi Watts, Diane Lane, Chloe Sevigny, Calista Flockhart, Demi Moore, Molly Ringwald, and Tom Hollander. For your Emmy consideration, visit fxnetworks.com FYC. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. All right, it's Monday, March 28th. It's the morning after the most infamous Oscars of all time. If you want to hear my take from the show on the slap heard around the world, we did an emergency pod last night, myself and Scott Feinberg from the Governor's Ball. Today, I'm talking to Lucas Shaw from Bloomberg, and we're going to get into the aftermath, the show, why they didn't step in, what the ratings mean and don't mean, if viewership probably spiked or didn't spike. Then we will look at some predictions I made last week and see how I did. Not bad. Not bad. All right. I'm Matt Bellany, and this is The Town. All right. I'm here with Lucas Shaw. He runs the entertainment media team at Bloomberg, and he was not in the room last night. I was in the room. Lucas was having a little Oscar party at his place. Um, so he got the televised version of the slap. I got the in-person version. We're going to assume everybody has seen it, talked about it, you know, has gone through those initial first hot takes. Let's get to the impact on the show. We saw the ratings came out this morning and the show got 15.4 million viewers, according to the preliminary estimates. That's a 54% increase over the debacle in the train station of a year ago, but it's still way down from the heyday of the Oscars. So my question to you is, do you think, how much do you think the slap impacted ratings? Very little. Uh, it you, didn't really? happen. Yeah, it didn't happen until two, two and a half hours into the show. Mm-hmm. So most of the ratings are going to reflect that first bit anyways. And then when it happened, I mean, this is why the Oscar ratings have been going down, right? People will just find it on social media. I don't think you had like this massive groundswell of people who needed to find the live broadcast to watch it because they just wanted to see Will Smith slap Chris Rock and understand what was happening. Maybe it boosts the ratings for next year. Maybe it boosts it a little bit in the second half. But I I don't think a lot of people went and and found their remote. And I'm going to take the contrary on that because I got a lot of texts immediately on the different text chains I'm on. And it was, hey, are you guys watching the Oscars? Like, you got to check this shit out. Like, and, you know, producer Craig basically said the same thing amongst his friends that they were all like, hey, what we got to check. I think the spike is going to be real. Nielsen usually releases minute by minute ratings. And I think we're going to see when they do that the ratings really jumped during this thing. And, you know, that second half of the show, as it gets late on the East Coast, the ratings tip 
typically go down, especially in that last 45 minutes, and especially when the show goes three and a half hours like it did. And I just think after it happened, the anticipation for the Will Smith speech, and that was something that you could tune into, that you could hear about on social media and then tune in to watch. I think the impact on that, on the ratings, is pretty significant. Yeah, I guess it depends on what you mean by significant. Like, I'm sure there'll be a jump, but when when you're talking about a show that has lost, you know, like 60 to 80% of its audience over the last few, couple decades, I don't think you all of a sudden saw it, you know, the, the audience double. You probably saw an influx of of a few million viewers who were who were looking to do exactly what you did. But I also had friends who just didn't watch it and weren't on social media at the time. Uh, and then when I told them, they were like, wait, what happened? Right. And so that they went and found it on social media. Not that your anecdotal experience is, is lesser or better than mine. I just think that a lot of people are going to interact with it in different ways. And because there's so many people who are not paying attention to it, who are maybe not living on social media on a Sunday night, you won't see you know, 10 million people try and watch Will Smith's speech. Right. And I woke up to a bunch of those texts from people who have nothing to do with entertainment and would never watch the Oscars, but know me. And we're like, dude, what happened? Like, tell me about, tell me about it from in the room, that kind of thing. So let's get into this show and some of the logistics a little bit. What people don't realize is that the Oscars is not produced by a live television producer. It is usually produced by a film producer who then takes on the task of producing the Oscars. And that's why Will Packer, who's known for Girls Trip and a bunch of other film and television projects, he was the producer of the show. So when people say, why didn't they step in? Why didn't the Academy you know, take Will Smith off stage? Why, did, why was he allowed to be up there? I pulled a couple of experienced live TV producers this morning and just ask them. And I want to read something that someone sent me that I think is really telling because it, did, it was not what I would have thought. Uh, he said, I'm actually not sure you physically can in that moment or have the right to move someone off stage. A producer isn't the police. They aren't the Academy spokesperson. They also aren't the moral adjudicator of life. They are filming an event. You also saw how the room had rallied around him, standing ovation, hugging with Tyler Perry, Denzel. So you potentially start a riot in a room on live TV when you are the only person who doesn't have a microphone. It's very complicated. What do you think of that? Yeah, I mean, I understand why. It was surreal to watch him go back on stage right after hitting Chris Rock and speak for a while and then eventually get an applause. It, it seemed to me, and again, you were in the room, so you would know better that for the first half or so of Will Smith's speech, people really did not know what to make of it. And then as the speech went on, the crowd warmed up to him, especially as he started invoking the names of, of other people and of the people in the cast of the movie. And he made it a little bit less about himself and his inability to fully digest what just happened. Um, you know, I think it's, it's really hard in the moment to know what to do there. I do not, uh, I do not envy Will Packer for having to make the decision. You want, you know, you want to listen to the guy win, and and that's sort of what television is for, right? These these really raw moments, right? Um, you know, if if Chris Rock is not going to present charges, and if the Academy is not going to withdraw the awards, then it seems like he has to go up and say something. Yeah, I, I think it's so complicated, but the you know business imperative, for lack of a better word, is to produce great television. And there is no doubt that that was a great television moment to see Will Smith get up there. 
What did you what did you think of his speech? You know, in the room, I think there were like you're you're right. There were mixed feelings. People were looking at it and it was quiet and people were like, "Uh, I thought that it was I mean, clearly he had had a speech that was about Richard Williams and him protecting his family and he kind of tweaked it whether that was him or his publicist they tweaked it to be more about this moment it rang a little hollow to me because he was essentially using the themes of the movie that he won for to justify violent behavior on stage and you know at least according to the movie I don't know Richard Williams in his personal life but Richard Williams never punched anyone out at a tennis match <laughs> as uh, you know to defend his daughters he may have in real life. I don't know. But it just seemed like he was taking advantage of the theme of the movie to excuse what he had done. And that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. But he delivered it in a very emotional way. And, you know, this is a guy who's been in our lives for 30 years. You want to like Will Smith. And I think the, the audience did ultimately give him the benefit of the doubt. And there was applause for him. Yeah, well, this was supposed to be his big moment. I mean, Will Smith was you know, the, the biggest movie star in the world for a very long time. Then he he chased a couple of Oscars, got nominated, didn't win, and it disappeared for a while or made some movies that people wanted to forget about and has come back in a very big way over the past few years. And and this was what in a lot of ways have been kind of the, the crowning achievement of that moment. And I, it felt to me like he tried to fuse, to, to your point, he tried to fuse the speech that he had already written with some response to what happened and it led to something that was long and kind of meandering and at times made no sense. And at times seemed like he was justifying violence, but also had some very real sentiment in it, um, which is what made a great television. And the other thing is he apologized to the Academy and to the nominees. He did not apologize to Chris Rock. And I think he probably should have. By the time this posts, he may have issued a secondary statement already doing that. I've heard some rumblings that that's going to happen. So I think that, you know, the now the, the thing is now his team is probably thinking, OK, how do we salvage this going forward? How do we turn this into something that's not going to follow him around? I mean, he's got a big movie coming out next year called Emancipation that is supposed to put him in the Oscar race again. I mean, that's another Apple movie. He plays a slave. He you know has been, uh, you know, he has been shooting that movie for the past six months. Um this is going to threaten all of that if he can't fix the public perception. Yeah. So the Academy here, I think, is once again left holding the bag for a total debacle on stage. It's an interesting name because after the entire, after the Moonlight La La Land situation, um, you know, there was a lot of soul searching at the Academy. Like, how did this happen? How did we let this happen? And yet here we are five years later with an arguably worse situation that the Academy has to deal with. And the way that the productions work is the producer finishes the show and Will Packer was like, okay, I'm out. He went to Vanity Fair. He was not there to deal with the aftermath. The Academy put out that kind of ham-fisted statement last night saying that they do not condone violence. But I think they do need to explain what happened, why he was allowed to speak, and kind of, I think they need some kind of a crisis plan on how to deal with this stuff. You think it's going to blow back on on them as opposed to just him needing to to explain? Because I, I guess I don't know what are what are people expecting the academy to say. I feel like a lot of their their challenges or their response was distilled in in that note that you read from a producer, where you know there were no there there are no charges against him. He'd won the award. They weren't going to take him out of the room. He's one of the most you know add in the the racial element of it, which is he's one of the most famous black men in the world. Um, I just, 
I'm not sure. I don't don't think that they can be blamed for what happened on stage. I mean, it's live television. Anything can happen, you know, just like they wouldn't be blamed if there was a, a violent, you know, a terrorist attack or something like that. But the response and how the show handled the situation, I think, ultimately is the Academy's responsibility because they hired the producer. Do you think someone should have come and like there should have been they obviously issued that statement about, you know, not condoning violence way later. Do you think someone should have come and said something on the broadcast about it? I think they should have tried to get Will Smith off camera, meaning said, hey, let's go to the wings. Let's talk about this. Now, I don't know. Maybe that happened, and maybe he said no. I don't know the details of what was in his ear at the time, but uh, I do think you have to make an effort to remove him. Now, maybe he comes back out and accepts the award. Maybe you know Chris Rock is allowed to come back at the end of the show and address the situation so he can have the last word there and have some closure. I don't know the answer, but I think that just passively pretending that nothing happened and letting the show go, I think was an error and they probably should address that. It did. Um, I don't know it, it, it as, as, uh, as crass as it may be to say, I do think it, it saved them from what was otherwise a pretty dull show. Oh, of course. I mean, you know, I was talking to some ABC executives after and they're never going to say this, but I said, you know, you don't have to worry about ratings now. And, you know, they're like, ah, but they, you know, I don't think they wanted this, but like, yes, you're right. It was, I was actually thinking about halfway through the show, like, oh God, what am I going to write about tomorrow? And there was literally nothing. I mean, everybody's already beaten the whole, you know, Apple, Netflix, Amazon, (laughs) the story to death. Both of us have written about that. And, you know, it is a big deal. And yes, the fact that Apple is the first streaming service to win best picture is a huge deal. There were a number of big milestones on the show. You know, Troy Kotzer winning the first deaf male to win and you know the fact that jane campion won and there were a lot of nice moments but you know the fact that this happened two-thirds of the way through did from an audience perspective make it a less boring place right do you think that the different the the changes that they made with the 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 categories made it any better i you know as you know i was one of the few people that was supportive of booting the eight categories to the pre-show. The problem is, is that they didn't, A, use that time that they saved very well. You know, I had hoped that they would use the time to do some spectacular original stuff. They did a James Bond montage that was sort of lame and it was disconnected from the song from the movie. They did, you know, a number of the things we've always seen, like comedy bits, that Academy Museum bit was like painful to watch. I can't believe that made it on the air. They didn't actually use the time very well. And secondly, I think they kind of wussed out. They ended up putting most, if not all of those speeches on the broadcast. So really the only thing they cut out was the walking to the podium which I know takes some time, but they didn't really use that. They caused this huge you know, uproar within Hollywood and they didn't really get much time out of it. And it was still a half hour over time. Yeah, it was a very long show. Um, and, and other than the Will Smith, Chris Rock moment, not a lot that stands out to me in, in memory. Although I did actually think that the, that the three hosts were pretty good. Yeah, they were funny, especially Amy Schumer. And I thought Regina Hall was very likable, but, uh, but yeah, no one's going to remember that. And, you know, they if you if you make a big change like that, if you're Will Packer and you say, OK, I'm going to blow things up and I'm going to have this big change to the broadcast that everyone's going to crap all over me for. You kind of got to deliver on the reason for doing it. And the show being that long means he did not deliver on what he promised. 
it's weird to have it's 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 weird to me to have a, a cycling producers like that for some of these shows. It makes you no sense. It makes yeah. no sense, especially in this day and age when maybe 30 years ago when it was all chummy chummy, everybody watches the Oscars. Let's just hire film producer. He'll call his buddies. He'll get Jack Nicholson to come. Like that is the old days. You know, you need a professional television producer that can create moments on these shows. And that's what a lot of these people do. If you look at the Grammys, the Grammys are all about creating a moment. They're pairing different artists together. And you need that. You need that professionalism. And I just don't think that the Oscars has had it. Yeah, although that being said, the, it's not like the audience for the Grammys has been moving in the right direction either. But I that's agree. True. That but the shows a, are better. The shows are much better. Yeah, it's fun to watch because you're just watching a hand. I mean, I'll I'll be there. I'll be there this weekend in Vegas. You're watching a handful of the, the biggest artists in the world. Uh, you know, perform often with one another or do a different riff on what they've done. It, uh, it it's it's unlike any of the more traditional uh, kind of TV and film award shows. So my prediction: the, a year is a long time, and we are in the middle right now of a huge scandal. My prediction is next year's Oscars: Will Smith and Chris Rock either present together or host together. I, oh, I think you're, they will definitely appear together unless there is, there's some chatter of there being kind of historical problems between the two of them and Chris Rock making jokes about Jada in the past, but also they, they worked together from the very earliest days. And you have to imagine that, um, there's, there's also some friendship there. So yeah, I think you're right that they will, they will appear together. I don't know that, I don't know that I see them hosting together. That might be. A bit much, especially because Chris Rock has hosted the show before. Mm -hmm. um, but maybe. We will see. All right, Lucas, thanks very much. We always appreciate your insights. Lucas Shaw is the head of the media group at Bloomberg, and I appreciate you coming on. Thanks, Matt. All right, we are back with the 100% surefire, probable Hollywood prediction of the day, working title. Let's look at the Oscar stuff I said last week. Producer Craig has it all written down. He's here to hold me accountable. Yeah, so th I'm, well, this is the take tracker. This is okay. The take tracker. Yeah, that's what we're doing right now. All right. So you, I mean, the most recent take you said was this is going to be the most political Oscars ever. Mm, I mean, define political. Right. It's the most certainly the most tweeted about. I guess that qualifies kind of. It's the most famous Oscars. Right, but actually, happened. the stuff about the stuff about Ukraine was pretty muted. I mean, it was weird. Mila Kunis didn't even say the word Ukraine. She just talked about, you know, things going on in the world. And then they had a moment of silence where people weren't actually silent in the room. Oh, is it really? <laughs> so, you know, there was some stuff. Jessica Chastain got into it on stage. And there were some references to the Florida Don't Say Gay Bill, which I predicted there would be. So there was politics. And I think the, you know, the representation message was pretty hammered home a lot. Um, so I'm not going to say most Oscar, most political ever, but certainly most talked about. Next one, Oscars should drum up their conflict with Amy Schumer. Mm, we haven't seen all of the coverage of that, and I think we probably won't. There was a lot of back and forth with her during the week, and especially between her and the producer, Will Packer. Um, we're probably not going to see the focus there because obviously the slap dominated everything. Um, so I'm going to say I was wrong on that. I enjoyed her, her opening comment after the slap. When she was like, oh, I was getting out of my Spider-Man costume. Did I miss anything? I thought right. that was handled well. That was very good. That was on par with Kimmel when he went up to Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway and said, Warren, what did you do <laughs> when they opened the wrong envelope? <laughs> uh, okay, next take. 
Yeah, you mentioned this a bit with Lucas earlier, but uh, 14 and a half million viewers is your prediction. Yeah, the actual the actual viewership, according to Nielsen, the preliminary estimate, it was 15.4. So I'm going to say, you know, pretty good on Price is Right standard. I mean, I'm pretty close without going over. Yeah, I mean, and th- that 15 million, is that before the Will Smith slap? Is that like the- No, that's including. So that's the fast national, that's the overnight rating, meaning they take the average of the broadcast. I'd like to see what the numbers were 10 minutes before the slap, 10 minutes after the slap. That, the, Nielsen does release minute by minute, and we will be talking about it's it. It's going to look do. like somebody having a heart attack on the chart. <laughs> <laughs> it is. And then the you know, pre, pre-heart attack, it's a flat line, and then it's like, <laughs> whoa. Yeah. Uh, I do think, I disagree with Lucas on that. I think that's going to impact things a lot. All right, so final prediction here. We're switching gears a bit. I want to touch on your prediction about the comedy with Sandra Bullock, The Lost City, which you said would be Sandra Bullock's biggest hit since Gravity. It isn't quite yet, but it, it it's flirting with it. It's on its way, potentially. Opening weekend, 31 million domestic. That's pretty darn good, considering until this movie, females were not really going to the box office um, from for pandemic fears. So I'm going to take a victory lap on that, even though we're not quite there. It's got to get to 279 million worldwide in order to beat Ocean's 8. And I think that's going to be difficult, especially without China. But that opening weekend, Pretty good for Sandra Bullock. You know, she she delivers. Stars matter sometimes. Pretty good. Yeah. You texted me over the weekend a meme of Larry David saying, pretty good. And you sent me I, I'm doing a victory lap because I got some negative texts and emails when I said that I would take the over. The conventional wisdom was $25 million for the weekend. And I said I would take the over in my newsletter. And uh, I'm going to do a little victory lap. You started hot. You're two for three. Let's see what I you say I think the next. Larry David pretty, pretty good meme is going to be my go-to when I say something and then I text you about it. Perfect. All right. Well, we'll see what you have next. You already gave your prediction kind of on the show with Lucas that Will Smith and Chris Rock will present together next year. I think that's a great call, by the way. I think so. I don't. Yeah, I agree with him. I don't it's think they're going to host. host. Yeah, yeah. hosting's a pain in the ass, and I don't think Will Smith wants to do that. But presenting seems like a no-brainer if they handle this all well and you know they can manage this situation for next year. It always seems to go this way, right? Like Hollywood loves a redemption. Didn't like remember there was the Jay Leno, Conan O'Brien. Didn't they do a a commercial together. They eventually made up Leno and Leno and Letterman. Leno, yeah, right. They up. did a commercial together. Yes, yes. Right. So these things tend to work out whether they want to or not. It's sort of in their best interest to do so. All right. That's the show. I want to thank Craig Horlbeck for producing. I want to thank Lucas Shaw for joining me. I want to thank you for listening and tune in on Wednesday. We've got a great guest. We've got the president of WWE, Nick Khan. He's going to talk all things WrestleMania and the business of wrestling and The Rock and whether they own his name. It's going to be great. Tune in then. 